We are back. You know, uh, you can't really do much better, I think, in analyzing American politics than to trust Gary Trudeau of Doonesbury fame. On the Doonesbury website, they recently had a quiz asking you to rate your favorite Mitt Romney claim. One was asked to vote on one of the three following Mitt Romney claims in terms of the ones you thought were the most, well, fun, I guess. The choices are, number one, that he's pro-life ignoring the fact that he's been pro-choice his entire life. Apparently at age 57, Mitt Romney was so shaken by the stem cell debate that he became pro-life, except in states where he chooses to be pro-choice, which after all is the choice of the various states. Number two, that he's pro-gun. Now he used to be pro-gun control. He backed the Brady Bill, he supported a waiting period and supported the assault weapon ban. But on the eve of the primaries, Romney carefully reconsidered. He joined the NRA and started touting his experience as a, quote, hunter, unquote, which apparently consisted of a few pot shots at rabbits taken 40 years ago. And number three was that he's pro-jobs. Of course, as a leveraged buyout guy, Romney spent years dismantling and downsizing companies. Anyway, I'm not sure what your choice would be. My favorite is that he's pro-life, except when he's not. All right, it's been a tradition on this program, uh, pre-election, to, to debate uh, the various candidates and propositions before us, uh, usually with our liberal correspondent, Alan Stanton, and our conservative correspondent, David Mather. But Alan Stanton joined a commune. I mean, how's that for the liberal correspondent? And we can't find Mr. Mather, so we need an expert. And we looked around and thought, Sacramento News and Review, they got some guys that are really on what's happening in this town, and so we are putting in a call to R.V. Scheid, a man who I think knows where some of the bodies are buried in this town, and I think we'll have an opinion or two about what we should do on Election Day. So rejoining us now is R.V. Scheid. Welcome back, R.V. Thanks for having me. This is kind of a lackluster election, I think, isn't it? No, I would disagree, at least not for me. I'm interested in it. I I don't necessarily drive around Sacramento and feel this huge buzz that there's an election on. It is a presidential year, and yet, you know, I've been a political junkie for as long as I can remember, and I just, this year, I just am not that interested. But, uh, But I will get to cast a ballot, at least for the Democrats, because I'm declined to state the Republicans are not extending that courtesy uh, uh, to uh, to us. So I've got to make up my mind. Who, who do you like on the Democratic side? Like you, it's like I'm unaffiliated. So I was disappointed to find out I couldn't vote for the Republicans, because I, I think both parties' races are really interesting this year. On the Democratic side, it's like after uh, Barack Obama had his victory last Saturday, uh, January 26th, even I started believing all this talk that maybe there's this movement. You know, there's the Kennedy endorsement, and they had me going for a bit. But I don't know if you noticed on, on Tuesday night, even though in Florida, which which is so bizarre, Florida, that, that it's like non-binding, they, they kept showing on TV that Hillary Clinton had won. Apparently, the, the, the Democratic Party's not letting any delegates be up, be up at risk, or for, uh, up at stake. Uh, but uh, her face was on the TV as having been the winner. So it's like she's she's carefully posturing because a lot of folks watching TV aren't necessarily realizing it's not going to get her any delegates. No, you're absolutely correct. I saw what you're talking about. I, I don't watch TV at home, but I was at the gym, and I saw the T- I saw Hillary, and I, and I knew exactly what you're saying, that Florida was uncontested. But I, I actually heard uh, on the radio, or maybe I read it on the Internet, the Clinton camp is going to contend that those delegates are up for grabs. 
I'm almost inclined to endorse Barack just for the anti-Hillary streak I've got going. I take it you haven't, you have not yet made up your mind what you're going to do in the voting booth. I, I would say probably I have not made up my mind. I could stomach voting for John Edwards. There's no way I would vote for Hillary. You know, you compare their records since Barack has been in the Senate, and there's virtually there's no difference between uh, Hillary and Barack. At least Obama is condemning the war. I'll give him that much. Is he really condemning it, though? Not as much as he ought to. In the Democratic race, the war has been taken, it was, has been off the, you know, the table. It's like impeachment in, in the Congress. It, you know, we're not going to discuss it. It's, uh, yes, Obama spoke out against the war before it started, before he was in the Senate. If he had been in the Senate, would he have voted the same as Hillary? Of course he would have. How much difference is there? And, uh, but I think, uh, I think the Clintons underestimated how much backlash there'd be, like turning Bill loose. Seems like it's really played against them. I, all I know is I don't like John Edwards, and I could probably live with Hillary Clinton if I'm not wild about her. And, you know, Barama's turned out to be more impressive than I thought. But I'm like you, I don't know. Well, I'm trying to give Obama the benefit of the doubt. And what I'm wondering is, is I haven't looked at the, the uh, undecided in uh, California. You know, some of the polls show Hillary is far out as 15, and some of one of them shows her as shows him as close as five. Well, I guess we'll just see what happens about the Republican side. It seems to be coming down to Romney versus McCain. I I had uh, a Republican friend who was very uh, hyped on the idea that Mike Huckabee uh, had gastric bypass surgery to lose all the weight that he lost. This this guy was like really obsessed with this idea because uh, because his 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 candidate was was Romney. And I told him, like, two months ago, it's like, after looking at the Republican side, it's like the biggest freak show ever. And it's like, you just look at these guys, and it's like, it's clear, like, McCain is going to end up in the front. So sure enough, that's where he is. And I think that if I was a Republican and I was voting Republican, I probably would vote for McCain just because the rest of them are crazy. I, I must confess, I voted for McCain as a, I changed my registration from decline to state to Republican. I voted for McCain in 2000 because I thought he was at least qualified to be president. Right. <laughs> Unlike the guy running against him. Ever since he got screwed over by Bush, and uh, was, was that South Carolina? Where, oh, yeah. Yeah, they went in and, and savaged him, and it's like they, they just call Rose, the, did the treatment. McCain has never been the same. Well, I thought McCain was dead in the water when he went to Iraq and put on a bulletproof vest and had army rangers around and snipers in the rooftop and said, boy, just going to the market was just like going to a county fair. Or some, someone with him said that, and he was, he was right along with the guy. You can't go over there and, and deny reality and, and not look like a clown. Well, what about the propositions? Uh, what, what, I know there's a bunch of things on, on Indian gaming, and I, I can't, I don't know. They all sound like they're a bad idea to me. Well, let's, let's start at the beginning with... Proposition 91, which concerns transportation funds. Now, I'm not even going to read it because I'm looking at this story here in San Francisco Chronicle, dated January 10th, and it seems like the uh, two groups that thought this proposition up and got it on the ballot, you know, it's a, a process that takes like two years, right? Yeah. Are now saying that to vote no on it because it's no longer needed. <laughs> I feel 
fairly safe with a no on that. What about these, well, there's four of them that are all lumped together. What, what are those all about? There are various different uh, uh, referendums amending the Indian Gaming Compact, and I, I, I haven't looked at this stuff in detail, but I just know I keep seeing it referred to as the largest expansion of gaming in the United States. That can't be a good idea. I'm kind of worried that they, they they might pass because everybody's worried about money and uh, the state's $14 billion in the red, so gambling will all of a sudden look good. It's like the payoff from gambling is never, never what they promise it's going to be. Just look at Nevada to see that. You know, you ought to come back at some point. We ought to, we ought to do a whole segment on, on the whole fallacy of the casinos in California and what they're supposed to be doing. And then for that matter, the lottery, what it's supposed to be doing. That, that'd be worth a whole topic. You know, really an ex- insignificant amount of money that it raises. We talked about this before. It's, it's a transfer of wealth. Boards to the rich. <laughs> from, from the mathematically challenged <laughs> to gaming interests. <laughs> yeah, well, gambling's fun. I'm not a complete, like, anti-gambling... Uh, not or anything, but I think I liked it better when it was confined to Nevada. <laughs> I think I did too. Well, I, I guess I guess in the end, we're just vote no on everything. <laughs> Ninety-two looks like it might be interesting. No, there's uh, there's another. We have to talk about the term limits one too. Oh yeah, we yeah. The community colleges uh, the fee initiative that's being endorsed by the teachers unions. Proposition 92. Uh, people should read it. Uh, basically, it's it's about control and fees and limit limit the fees. I mean, if it does what it says, then it's a good thing. And the teachers union seem to be supporting that. I'm probably leaning a yes on 92. And then there's 93, which is interesting. That's the term limits. Now Arnold, I guess, has endorsed this. I was just on the Democratic Party's website, the state Democratic Party. Yeah. And they've endorsed. Really? If the Republicans and Democrats are both agreeing that it's a good idea, that makes me nervous. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I understand it, uh, the way it works is that what they want to do is change total number that you can serve in both houses. By doing that, it, it looks like they're limiting, they're, they're, they're going to lower the total number, but the way they're changing it, it's going to allow people in the current Democratic uh, leadership to stay in two to four years longer. I don't know about you, but I, I'm really not uh, a big fan of Nunez and guys. I'm not either, but I, I don't know. I, I've never really made up my mind about term limits. Certainly you don't want these... Profe- you, the idea is you get rid of the professional politicians that sit in there forever right. and make deals. On the other hand, they say that, you know, it's so hard to learn how to get anything done that by the time you actually learn anything, you're out. So I, I don't know. It doesn't get rid of term limits. It just rearranges them in favor of the people that are in there now. And I guess it just depends on how you feel about those uh, people. It's, nobody ever talks about, uh, you know, the supermajority voting requirements uh, in, in the legislature. Everybody talks like it's broken all the time. But it's like, if, you know, we just had a simple 50-50 majority to pass tax increases. California would be a lot better state. You're not supposed to bring, you know, Proposition 13 and all that stuff up, though. Well, I think we're back where we started. I'm not sure I care, and I, I don't know what to recommend people to do, and, and I guess we've talked it through, and I guess people are kind of on their own. All right, well, you've had some interesting articles in the Sacramento News and Review lately, uh, things about APAC and, and, and a few other issues, and we need to have you come back real soon and talk about some of those. Oh, I would love to. 
Uh, RV Scheid, uh, well, we will have you back soon, and we'll talk about uh, just those things before, you know, before much time has elapsed. Okay, well, I'm always uh, available uh, for whatever's in the news. All right, sir. That was R.V. Scheid. Since 1993, he has been making appearances as a writer and an editor at the Sacramento News and Review. Let's wrap up the show here with the time we have left with a Dave Barry column. Dave Barry, of course, is in semi-retirement from his job at the Miami Herald, but does occasionally churn one out. Thank God. I also want to thank Lisa, who sent us this via email. To quote from the column, This week, millions of Florida voters head to the polls. Being Floridians, many of them will become confused and drive into buildings, canals, cemeteries, other Floridians, etc. But some will make it to the polls, where they will cast ballots that will play a crucial role in the presidential election. Or, in the case of Democrats, not. Turns out the 2008 Democratic primary doesn't count. Florida will be sending the same number of delegates to the Democratic convention as Uzbekistan. This may seem unfair, but there's a simple explanation. The whole primary system is insane. Consider the process so far. First, Iowa held caucuses in which Iowans gathered in small groups at night and engaged in some mysterious Iowan ritual that for all we know involves having intimate relations with corn. After that, Wyoming had a primary, but only for Republicans. The Democrats will hold their primary on March 8th. Many of the candidates ignored Wyoming and focused on New Hampshire, except Rudy Giuliani, who's following the shrewd strategy, originally developed by the Miami Dolphins, of not entering the race until he's been mathematically eliminated. After New Hampshire came Michigan, where the ballot listed all the Republicans, but only certain Democrats, including Chris Dodd, who had already dropped out, but not including Barack Obama or John Edwards. Then came the Nevada caucuses, in which Hillary Clinton got more votes, but Barack Obama got more delegates. If you don't understand how that could happen, you've never been to a casino. Then came the South Carolina Republican primary, which, of course, was not held on the same day as the South Carolina Democratic primary. Then comes Florida, where the Republicans get to elect some delegates, though the total will be only half the number Florida was originally supposed to get. Meanwhile, Florida Democrats will have the same impact on their party's nomination as if they fed their ballots to ducks. I'm not making this up. This is our actual primary system, except, I hope, the part about the corn. Barry goes on to summarize the political situation as follows. The Republican race, still wide open. Mitt, quotation Mitt Romney, holds a slight edge in delegates, plus a heifer he got for winning Wyoming. Right behind him are John McCain, Chuck Norris, and the late Ronald Reagan. The Democratic race, it's down to Obama versus Clinton, and it's getting nasty. They hate each other with the kind of passionate hatred that you see only between two people who hold essentially the same positions on everything. Anyway, asking how it is that in this primary system so far, states are not getting delegates, people are voting on different days, he summed it up as follows. This ridiculous system came through endless petty squabbling in both parties over the issue of which states get to go first. That's right. When confronted with what should be a minor procedural problem, the leaders of our major political parties can't even work intelligently with their own allies, let alone their opponents. Said Barry, this is why, no matter who wins in November, I'm optimistic about the future of the nation. Noting I'm referring, of course, to Uzbekistan. That about does it for time. Our thanks to R.V. Shy of the Sacramento News and Review, KDVS's Mick Mucus, and Dr. Andy Jones. 
This program was produced by Edward McMillan. Next week, we will be joined by Pulitzer Prize-winning David K. Johnson to talk about his new book, Free Lunch. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We'll see you next week at the same time.